پیامبر هستم A warm hello to our radiobomb.listeners. This is Dr. Saeed Malik Hapseli speaking. I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers, my friend and my colleague from Tavana Organization. As yesterday we talked, uh, today uh, again, Dr. Andrade is not with us, but uh, two of us are here and we are going to talk about emotional intelligence. Dr. Rockers, I wanted to bring this um a topic of emotional intelligence uh, since um, as psychologists we hear so much about um, students testing and um, uh, many issues in regards to emotional intelligence and today I wanted to talk to you about this especially because um, I remember in 1992 of the psychologist uh, Dr. I think um, Uh, I have to remember the name, one of the um, psychologists who brought the idea of um, emotional intelligence in 90s. And then together with another colleague, Dr. Meyer, I, I believe they did um, studies about the emotional intelligence and the SAT scores, students' scores. And then there was also a mega study about business leaders, emotional intelligence skills. And then there was a side um, uh, program in one of the universities to teach the psychologists the emotional intelligence so that they can train the business leaders. And it was the first time uh, that psychologists were getting into um, training the business leaders. We know that in years later, the organization on industrial psychology became a big branch of uh, psychology field. But at that time, it was new. And I remember in 1995, Dr. Goldman wrote that book about um, emotional intelligence. Uh, the leaders of the world are more Um, heavy in emotional intelligence than high IQ. So this issue since 1990 became big, especially in our society. And I know the program that they created on the side of uh, one of the psychology department programs in one of the universities, I believe it was in Chicago School of Professional Psychology, if I'm not wrong. They created this side um, group that they were trained by um, very uh, profound knowledge, those leaders that they had profound knowledge of emotional psychology. And then they send them for two years, they trained them and they send them to different organization. And I remember it was even the Hyatt Hotel, there was the Midwest Bank, so many big organizations, they started having these trainers of the trainer to train the leaders. And it was very successful. And um, even I remember that uh, the name of the person who started this in 1990, um, I know his name started with S, I have to think about it more. Um, so he actually started um, the idea of the uh, emotional intelligence, bringing it into Yale University. And he actually started another um, uh, study with his colleagues, uh, why some of the people have higher SAT, why some of the people get better scores, even though everybody goes through 
the um, review process. They all are very good students that they come to Yale. How come some of the students are more successful and some are not? And then when they studied, they noticed that the emotional intelligence of these students is high. So they can manage the outside world. They can manage their study. They can, they have better um, balance between family, friends, between a school, um, between socializing and everything. So the managing emotional intelligence cause that they do better in a school. So I thought maybe today we can talk about that and talk about some of the studies. Talk about the emotional intelligence. I think it's a good thing to think about that there are many kinds. As I think, actually, if we back up, it's important to realize, you know, everybody talks about intelligence. I think most people don't really recognize what that IQ is intelligence quotient. And it is originally was one's chronological age over one what it, achievement age. So like that, it's a quotient. And the way that that quotient has come up with several averaging the scores of that. So, and it's important to look into and say, well, is this really measuring what we think it measures? And everybody has this idea of IQ smart, and but we really don't even know, well, what does that really mean if you're smart? Does that mean you remember lots of things? Does that remember you? Does that mean you speak really well? Does that mean you can do mathematics really well? Does it mean you can uh, recognize shapes really well? Do puzzles really well? It's a, uh, it's, can be all these different things. So I think intelligence is, it kind of is what we say that it is. And then if we move on to emotional intelligence, what, how is that figured out? And what does that mean? I think for me, I haven't read the book and I, I tend to not read those books right away. They could be kind of fad-like, something that goes. But if it stays around and it seems like emotional intelligence has stayed around quite a while and has been, like you said, up by business. So there appears to be substance. What we know about the mind is that, in general, Carl Jung talked about those two balancing things of thinking and feeling. And we know that thinking is what's typically measured by intelligent thing. And that feeling is a thing not really measured in. So now we've got a, apparently we've got a way to, is that your understanding, Sade? Yeah, no, actually there are so many tests now that uh, they test the emotional intelligence, but it's it's interesting. I was going to get to that. Although they have worked so hard in creating some of these tests and they have a study after study about the test, they changed it. And recently a bunch of psychologists from Australia they actually brought these tests that especially Dr. Myers, um, with the help of uh, his students and his colleagues created, they um, actually studied the tests that they have created. And they realized there's some weaknesses into the test. And they brought those weaknesses uh, to the eyes of uh, creator, which is Dr. Meyer. But also Dr. Meyer has so much invested in this emotional intelligent testing that he believes at the end, this is going to be a great way to measure the uh, emotional intelligence of people. But he also, this part was very interesting to me that when I was reading about the psychologist from Australia that uh, 
they actually criticized the test and they brought weaknesses and also their strength as well. But they criticized the test. But what I liked about Dr. Meyer's response was, you know, implementing all those criticized issues into the new creation of the test. So he said, I appreciate all my colleagues from Australia, the psychologists who criticized my test, but considering those uh, criticized points in the new test he created, he still believes the world is going to understand that the emotional intelligence is something that we cannot disregard. And since 1990, the emotional intelligence became more and more important. And I remember the name of uh, the uh, psychologist that I told you is Dr. Salovey, who became the president of Yale. And actually, I remember what they were saying about Dr. Salovey was that he did everything in Yale University except sweeping the floor. So he went from one department to another. He was a teacher. He was a student there. Then he became uh, a TA and then he became a teacher. Then he became the dean of the students. And then finally he became the head of the university. And the most important part that they were talking about him himself others was his emotional intelligence. And actually, he was big in emotional intelligence to begin with, because him with Dr. Myers were the two that in 1990s started this issue of emotional intelligence. And when Dr. Goldman basically based on the work of Dr. Dr. Solovey and Dr. Myers created that book. And it was interesting, then the the followers became parallel followers of one, Dr. Goldman, who his foundation was Dr. Myers and Dr. Solovey. And then the rest, they were followers of Dr. Solovey and Dr. Myers. So parallel, they were moving forward with emotional intelligence until the psychologists from Australia started, um, you know, uh, criticizing some of the issues they brought forth. But talking about Dr. Solovey, which I really, really appreciated. And uh, the reason I did appreciate was because my own boss in our organization, um, his, her behavior was very much like what I was reading about Dr. Solovey. And that was, he actually was present at all time. He wasn't sitting in his room in closed door. He was always in the campus. He was always speaking to students. And even though he was in Yale University for years and years and knew everything about the university because he started there as a student, but he still wanted to listen to get feedback. He started talking to students. He started talking to parents. He started talking to teachers. He started talking to deans, to administrators. And for a few months, he was just out there to talk to each individual from different departments to listen to them and get their feedback. And with all he knew about the university, he never thought he knows everything because he thought, now as a leader, I need to get to every level to listen to them. And when we talk about emotional intelligence, his behavior brings all these to mind that someone who cares about others, someone who is not bring all the reasons in order to lead 
rather he's really being careful about emotions of people and he's very uh, concerned about what other people think and want. So I can think of a colleague of mine, his name was David Stuckey. And this guy I thought really exemplified having him. He was very good and it was because he didn't always go react if somebody said something agreed with modulate or handle all those. I remember one time in Bill, he had broken up with his girlfriend. They had agreed to split because he was moving. And then the thing, the move didn't really work out. And time had gone on where she was somebody else. And he told me about this instance where he had moved back and then he went to visit her. And while he was visiting her, her boyfriend then came over. Okay. So you can imagine it's going to be like a tense situation. And he, and he told me what he did. He said, he told, the guy was out in the car, in the car. And so he, David told his ex-girlfriend, he says, yeah, have him come in, bring him in. And I remember when he told me that, I said, why would you do that? Like what, as my mom would say, what would possess you to do that? And you know, his answer was very revealing. He says, because I wanted to feel all the feet. I thought that was so amazing. And I think that is at the heart of intelligence. In other words, not they don't have to rule you, but you can learn to take in. Very interesting. Yeah. And I was reminded of that when you're talking about this your, person. Yeah. That. Yeah. Creating a space for everybody to share, to just say what is underneath uh, and, and what are their emotions. I think it's a great quality of a leader. And I remember I learned so much from my boss. Uh, she was always a symbol of someone who cared, who was strong in leadership, but cared so much, was emotional when somebody shared some of their personal issues. Um, she showed emotions, you know, unlike when I was reading as a woman, if you show your emotions, it's a sign of weakness. But um, she showed she's a human being. But on the other hand, she was very strong when it came to leadership or decision-making, but she always included everybody. She always asked everybody's opinion. And I remember during the time in 2008, when we had a big hit of uh, economical uh, issues um, and everybody was going through difficulty. And I remember, especially our district had a lot of issues with budgeting and um, in our organization, which our budget was separate, we were thinking of four uh, steps of change when it came to economical situation. Um, and one last one was, last one was um, changing the salary and bringing 10% or whatever, 20% that everybody was doing. Uh, she started creating a group to review budgets from all uh, parts of the departments, even from our janitor. He, I remember he was in the uh, committee. So he created a committee of all the reps from different departments, from different uh, organizations in, uh, within our organization. And then he was reviewing every single, and then he actually opened this in a Google Doc so everybody can read it daily, 24-7 available. So all the conversation within different groups was always in that Google Doc that everybody could read. And then at the end, I remember 
they they all, they agreed to all cutting all the extra uh, you know stuff i remember we were subscribed with so many magazines uh, so many newspapers all of that or even water because even little things that when you think about you know counts so we cut all those things based on the uh, collective decision making and nobody's salary was touched. So we went to first level, second, third, and the fourth was cutting the salary, which we didn't get to. But it was her leadership that created that. If she never showed a panic um, in her leadership, even in the war situation, she was always calm, came out of her desk with everything she had in mind, stood, look through your eyes, listen to you with full heart. And when it comes to emotional intelligence, I always remember uh, that person that I knew for years and I worked with. But I was going to say, um, Dr. Salovey, who we talked about, she he says um, the emotional intelligence uh, used to be um, actually known as... Um, unorganized, uh, not really um, identifier, uh, identifying the reasons and the organizational um, base of thinking. But he actually talks about the shift that he says, I'm not talking about all emotion thinking of emotion that we notice like facial expressions or um, all those things we consider as emotion is emotion within reasoning. And he expressed it in a really nice way that we're not talking about not bringing reasoning at all, but having the emotion, but also thinking of reasons. And he brings it in a very um, magnifying way. Um, So Using the model, Salovey and Meyer and their colleagues actually created the test. And the sample test items uh, include um, also facial expressions and uh, solving reasoning problems after exposure to emotional relevance stimuli. So um, researchers have used music, movies to include happy and sad moods in participants and then they time them and give them a questionnaire. And um, uh, they focus on details and uh, they actually consider the worry, the missing pieces of evidence um, in considering the results. So now we are getting to our um, time to give a break. We come back in to continue our conversation about emotional intelligence. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من و همکارم دکتر دانیل راکرز امروز در مورد در حقیقت هوش احساسی صحبت میکنیم چون همیشه آیکیو در حقیقت هوشی بوده که ما فکر میکردیم که باهوش بودن دلیل آیکیو بالا هستش ولی امروز من و دکتر راکرز راجب تحقیقات زیادی که در مورد هوش احساسی شده صحبت میکنیم اگه تازه رادیوتون رو باز کردین و در منزل کسانی هستن که به زبان انگلیسی ترجیح میدن روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه برنامه ما رو گوش بدن ما از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر 
از شرکت توانا با دوتن از همکارانم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندرادی در خدمتون هستیم مراجع به مسائل روانشناسی و مخصوصا مسائلی که در روز اتفاق میفته که همه اثرات اون توی روان انسان ها تأثیر میگذاره به خصوص این روزها صحبت میکنیم برمیگردیم و در خدمتون هستیم We are back with Dr. Rockers and we are continuing our conversation about emotional intelligence. Dr. Rockers, there was another study by Dr. McCon, uh, Carolyn McCon, um, who um, actually was in um, University of Sydney and uh, the lead author of this study, It's Not Enough to be Smart and Hardworking. Um, so that was the book he had, and students must also be able to understand and manage their emotions to success at school. So uh, she talks about the students who are better able to understand and manage their emotions effectively. Um, it's a, Dr. McCann says it's a skill known as emotional intelligence. They do better at school than their less skilled peers. Um, as she says, it's measured by grades and standardized test scores. And um, basically, this is according to the research that was published by American Psychological Association. So um, the concept of emotional intelligence based on her is um, as area of academic research that it's um, we talked about uh, relatively being new. But she talks about... Um, a study with 160 students. It was a mega analysis of um, a study with 160 different studies uh, with more than 42,000 students from 27 countries that published between 1998 and 2019. Based on this study, she says more than 76% were from English speaking countries. The student ranged in age from elementary to college, and the researchers found that students with higher emotional intelligence tended to get higher grades and better achievement test score than those with lower emotional intelligence. And um, she actually talks about a specific student uh, whose name was Kelly. She says Kelly was very good in science and math but she was low in emotional intelligence. Because of being low in emotional intelligence, the anxiety she had in other courses like language, history, she had so much anxiety and boredom and disappointment that she couldn't even do well in science and math. So 
she actually, because of that, she was reactive to her peers. She had a very close friend named Lucia. And she couldn't understand why Lucia was always mad at her and why she couldn't even stand some of the behavior she had towards her because she couldn't feel the feeling that Lucia had. And because of that, she, Lucia, who was very good in language and history, she couldn't help her. So she brings these two friends um, in her study that how Kelly, with being strong in math and science, which most students really envy, she couldn't be a good student overall at school. And it was mainly because she was low in emotional intelligence and she couldn't understand the feeling of others. So she says the most important part in emotional intelligence is comprehending and being able to understand the emotion of the others. So based on that uh, study, she realized that many students she names in her study that she did better in a school overall, and even in the relationship with their friends, with their family, with overall teachers. It was because they were calmer, they could regulate their anxiety and worrisome, and they could understand the feelings of others, and they had um, success in school. And there was a range from elementary all the way to college. It wasn't you know, just in college as students, even in at the elementary level. So it was very interesting study. But how does that fit? I'm curious as to how all of that, which I agree with, is intelligent important, but how does that fit with what you mentioned, I think, yesterday in that study where women leaders, if they express emotion versus men leaders express emotion? That was very interesting. Yes, that was only in uh, politics, actually. The candidate, the, the gender, it was mainly about the gender in politics and emotional intelligence and emotions. And that was a specific actually to, and I'm trying to remember what was the topic of a study. I think it was a stereotype threat. Okay. The, the stereotype that, for example, the performance of African-American, the performance of the women, um, against, um, you know, men. Uh, I think that was uh, the stereotype threat to the study of Dr. Myers and those uh, psychologists from Australia, actually, they had all these cri critics, critical points in the study that uh, they brought that. I know it was just all over the place, but this um, different studies shows in general that specifically the success in the world of business and in school and generally um, accomplishments in life, a lot of it is to do with the emotional intelligence. Yeah, it's talking more about function, whereas that study that I just referenced, that you talked about, that's about people's perception. Exactly. People's so that perception. Would be that would be there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so... Um, there is this, there is an, a theory too, which I'll add to the mix, which says that most of the decisions, if not all the decisions we make are emotionally, we make them emotionally 
but then backfill is why we would have made that decision. Have you heard that? Yes. Yes. And I think that whether that's true across the board or not, I think a lot of it, I can. Yes, absolutely. Buy something, but then I'll backfill it with, well, here's the reasons why I didn't and make my thoughts. Yeah. We are always after reasons for something we do to probably, maybe it's innate in us. We need to reason why we do something or we say something. We always want to back up with a reason. That's true. And in, in therapy sessions, a lot of times, if I ask somebody how they are feeling, a lot of times they'll respond with how they're thinking. And if they don't do that, then a lot of times how they feel and immediately say it because blah, 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 to give you that reason. Yes. Fairly rare where someone can just reflect and say, yeah, I'm pretty guilty. I don't know what that was about. Or what what about yeah, go ahead. Or whatever feeling it might have been. They just, it's a hard, it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, commonly we use gut feeling a lot. So I think that emotional intelligence mainly because it's immediate. It's something that it's your gut feeling that comes up. Um, Is it something to do with that? Or maybe not. I don't know. Well, it's interesting to think in terms of your emotions. Pretty much every emotion that we have, there is a physical or physiological. And I think that's what gut feeling really means, where that comes from is. That's that physiological connect. What does that tell me? What's my gut feel on that? That's what I think about. I think gut feeling is emotional intelligence. It's the ability to check in and really see, well, how am I responding? Right. Past the thinking aspect. You know, in in therapy sessions, often people who are engineers, attorneys, or physicians in these intellectual heavy occupations, and they have a hard time accessing emotion because they're thinking so much. And if they have emotion, what they do is they try to fix that emotional difficulty by thinking through or by using logic. I think a lot of times, especially when you're in a position that you have to make decisions and you're standing in front of a bunch of intelligent people, um, you know, supervising them, it's very difficult to not stop, think, and bring reasons. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, because, because that was what I was facing with, you know, um, and I was always uh, very careful with how, even though you're genuine, even though everybody knows who you are, but as a leader, you have to always be careful how you respond. Is it out of emotion? You have to be careful in a way because not everybody is on the same boat as you are. And you're dealing with a bunch of people who think differently, you know? So you have to really play this being in the middle game and be careful how you respond. Is it basically on emotions or is it reasoning behind it? I think this is what Dr. Salovey, basically the president of Yale University that we talked extensively about him says, you know, you have to be careful. It's not being unorganized and you say it based on emotions. It's emotions and reasons. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's just a very um, fine line. So it's not just vomiting out all emotions as they arise. 
Yes, you think about them. You, you think in a second and you find a middle place to explain it or to express it, you know. And I think that's why when you think and you say something, you have that few seconds to mediate and moderate what you're saying. You know what I mean? It's just like monitoring in a few seconds what comes out of your mouth. Yeah, the key, as I see it, in terms of the emotions is I like to think of it's there's another little uh, voice in the head that is saying something bad or depressing to stuff about this. And the key is to be able to observe it. You don't have, you don't have to run with it. You don't have. Yeah. Do you remember um, there was also a study that I remember was big in media that um, one of the psychologists actually found the relation between um, receptors in the brain and connected it to a bunch of studies that had done with the test score, SAT test scores of students. Do you remember that? I don't. I, think, I don't know that. Yeah, I think it was um, around um, maybe 1998 or somewhere around that time that I remember the media was talking about that. Um, and it was the science behind the intelligence and the test score. It was just some sort of relation between these. And um, he actually, with the test, had proved that there's a relation between the receptors in the brain and very specific. But it was that the result was very, very minor, like 2%. But I remember it was a huge thing and media was talking about it. And that, that was for the first time they found the relation between the test scores, the, um, you know, um, grades and whatever the brain of these students is different than others. And, and now after thinking about that, that came to my mind, I was just thinking maybe with all these studies that are happening in the world of psychology or science, maybe one day they can find even with the highest percentage, what are the relationships uh, in some of the receptors in the brain, the hormones and all of that. And that would be actually, you know, a breakthrough with um, these, you know, connections. With that, I want to give another break and come back to continue our conversation about uh, emotional intelligence. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من و همکارم دکتر دانیل راکرز امروز در خدمتون هستیم و در مورد هوش احساسی یا emotional intelligence صحبت میکنیم در صورت ما اگر صدامون از رادیو بامداد به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین به خاطر این هستش که رادیو بامداد علاقمند بود برای شنوندگانی که ترجیح میدن به زبان انگلیسی برنامه روانشناسی رو گوش بدن این برنامه رو ترتیب داده و من و همکارانم هم در خدمتون هستیم ضمناً برنامه های ما با تاپیک های مختلف در پادکست اپل پادکست تحت عنوان اسم برنامهمون کالچر اند سایکولوژی میتونین بر اساس تاپیک های مختلف سرچ کنین برمیگردیم و در خدمتون هستیم 
We're back with Dr. Rockers and we continue our conversation about emotional intelligence. Uh, Dr. Rockers, I was uh, going back to the science piece and the biology. And as I was reading, um, I think it was Dr. Plowman um, who actually published a study that he talked about the biology and the genes and uh, its relation to uh, extremely high students' score and grades in a school. And um, I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but even though uh, this study was a huge splash um, in the world, um, but still it's continued to be, um, you know, studies. So I'm sure like anything with genes and environment, uh, the emotional intelligence also is something to do with upbringing and the environment. I think it's really hard to do those neurological studies also, because if you think about it, to some extent, our neurology and all those brain connections get built based on a lot of input. So there is that. And then there is also the part that a lot of those neuronal connections are built due to some internal biological intelligence go here and do this and touch so we and there's so much that we really don't know in how much what affects that biological intelligence make those connections we still don't really understand fully how from a couple of cells we can generate all of the different the body and all the, the the dna contains the programming all of that stuff it's really quite a do you think we can learn how to improve our emotional intelligence? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of the work that I do with the therapy. How can we improve your emotions? Like I said, a lot, there are a lot of professions. There's a couple of different reasons why people may not have emotional intelligence. There's probably more than a couple, or, but I'm thinking in real. One reason is because the profession doesn't necessarily value it as much and doesn't call on it. I'm thinking about professions like engineer or like attorney or like physician. They're not, they don't really value the emotional aspect that much. They have to make a lot of decisions. They have to collate and formulate opinions, impressions, they have to do it really quickly, and they have to back it up like you talked about. So there is that. So the very, um, let's say, head-heavy professions. And then the other are professions which are not head-heavy, but are very machoistic. So it could be a lot of the blue collar type of work, right? I grew up on a dairy farm. Essentially, I don't think this was ever said to me, but essentially the opinion was, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that emotion. It doesn't matter how you, you still get up and milk the cows. You still go feed the cows. I don't care how you feel. It doesn't matter. The cows don't care feel. You still need to do it. So there is that aspect too. And that could be any number of blue collar professions, whether it's farming or bricklaying or sheetrocking, ironwork, construction workers. And there's a different ethos there too. How people, it's a, there's that, yes, there is a stereotype, but that stereotype comes. So they don't often value the emotional part. And because if emotions aren't valued and aren't used, you're going to get rusty at using them or have never developed it. So yeah, I think that they can change. Everybody can change. 
everybody has feelings. I'm so happy you mentioned that because that was a huge thing you brought forth. I think it's so important if you're talking about such an important thing that affects everybody's life, if it's explained and if it's practiced by everybody in every field, people learn that. People walk with it every day. You know, what you said as you were talking I that reminded me of when when we were teaching each teacher you know in high school teaches a specific subjects because you're specialized in that subject and for the most part if you're a science teacher you teach science and you know your credential is for that and I remember there was a time that the test score for um, English writing and English vocabulary and all of that was really low. And um, I remember overall in different districts, everybody was trying to see what is the reason that they cannot bring the test scores up and they teach a student better way to bring their English language um, up. So one of the reasons um, um, we, we were thinking was actually this specialization of just you know, math teacher only teaches math, as you were saying, like dairy farm, you no matter what, you just do what you need to do. So we were thinking, let's just in every subject, try to teach writing, you know, if you are teaching math with students, as a teacher, even though you're a math teacher, you must have gone through certain steps to become a math teacher. One of them is passing your English test. One of them is having a score in your timed writing, right? So you're, you must be good in, uh, for the most part, at least better than the students you're teaching. So in your math class, you also need to teach students how to explain the math um, reasoning in writing and talk about the writing has to be this way and that way. In history, you need to do that in other subjects. So everybody was really collaboratively working on this issue. And what you brought actually reminded me of this, that helped the students to work on their writing and on their English vocabulary and language because everybody was really helping collaboratively to make this happen and the students test the score went up. So in real world, if you're talking about emotional intelligence, which is the day-to-day -day issue of everybody's life, we constantly know that our life, our relationship, our leadership, our work, our helping patients, all of that, it's somehow related to emotional intelligence, understanding feelings, perceptions of each other. So that reminded me of that. And then why not in every field that people have to, you know, go through like medicine, engineering, all the different uh, areas that you mentioned, we also think of emotional intelligence. Absolutely. I mean, it would make total sense that it would be that. I think the difficulty we run into, whether people value is there are some prejudgments that exist, continue to persist throughout that emotion. You have emotions, you're weak. It's for sissies. Big boys don't cry. You know, 
things like that that get plugged in early in life fortune past any useful application. Dr. Rakis, I know you have to leave immediately to get to your next uh, appointment. So I just want for the last minute, uh, we don't, we're not going to give another break just because of the limited time you have. So let's just get into the final statement that we usually do after a break. Okay, very good. So for emotional intelligence, one thing we haven't talked about that I would highlight, empathy is the capacity to sense someone else's feelings. So emotions are what we feel, and empathy is when we can also check in or feel what other people, important part. And it can be a fun thing just to check in and somebody else feels. It's a very good thing to do. It's a very good thing to think about, well, how does my spouse feel? Or how does my mom feel at this point? Or how does my dad feel? Or how does my son feel? Useful, helpful. And probably learn quite a bit. Very good. And I just want to say, you know, as a human being, I think the most important part of us is feelings and is uh, realizing that everybody has feelings. Everybody, one way or another, um, has a perception about things. So just uh, we need to listen carefully to each other and try to understand, because I know sometimes it's not easy. We have to ask good questions. We need to have patience. We need to just sit face to face, never talk on the phone or write something in the media about your feelings. Always when you have something to say to someone, try to make up an appointment, sit face to face, have eye contact, Talk about your true feeling, be genuine. And I remember one thing I never forget from my father. He always told us, honesty is the best policy. Every time we brought something forward to ask him about advice, he just said, honestly is the best politics. So just be honest, just say what is true and you are sure to get better results. And I've noticed that in throughout my life that even um, it has happened to me that some, well, we all make mistakes. We all are human beings. But if you admit to what you think it wasn't right, it, to the eyes of the other person it will be appreciated. And even though maybe you make mistakes, but they can you know, understand why you did it. And if you're genuine and honest. So with that, I want to say goodbye and thank Dr. Rockers, my dear friend for another session. And we come back next week and we continue our conversation about some other topics in psychology. Thank you.
بد نیست که میگن رازیم الحمدلله ما انقدر بد نیست که میگن راضیم الحمدلله 